Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Kind Kitchen Podcast. This is Maggie Greiner. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me. I've been on a bit of a hiatus, a very, very important hiatus, an important break for a very special person. My husband and I welcomed our firstborn son, uh, Neely. His name is Neely, N-E-E-L-Y. That's a, a family name, and we love him so much. He uh, was born on April 21st, 2019, so just 10 weeks ago. And actually, this episode was recorded the day before I went into labor, And I obviously have been a little busy the last 10 weeks, but um, was planning to get this out sooner. But hey, life happens. And now I'm actually feeling a little bit more normal. Last night, Neely slept for eight hours straight, which is a record. Uh, Then he ate at about 2 a.m. and slept for another four hours. So... Yay! We were we were so excited and feeling a little bit a little bit better. Um, but the last ten weeks have been extremely challenging, and uh, but they've been also extremely beautiful and rewarding. And you know, he just he smiles and everything's okay. All the sleepless nights uh, are all worth it. So we're extremely blessed and so so happy. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll, you'll hear him on here one day. (laughs) Uh, maybe we'll we'll interview him. Maybe he's got to get a little older, but see what he has to say. But yeah, things are good and I'm excited to get back in to, um, keep this podcast train going. And, uh, this, this particular episode is so, so exciting. We're talking to Timothy Packron. He is a vegan chef and author of the book Mississippi Vegan, and it was released just a few months ago this past fall, and it is honestly one of my favorite cookbooks. I'm kind of a a cookbook uh, collector. I think I have about 25 of them and counting. I could order a new one every week. I just, I love flipping through the pages and I don't actually, I don't normally follow recipes. I usually like to just read them from front to back and get inspired and then kind of use, uh, you know, use their recipes to, you know, kind of put my own spin on things. But this talking about inspiring, this is just a gorgeous, gorgeous cookbook. Uh, I mean, the photography is so beautiful and the recipes are, Southern inspired. Um, so you're going to see a lot of familiar uh, favorites like gumbo. And uh, I think there's a BLT in there. And, um, fried pickles are fun. There's just so many really cool recipes that, especially if you're, if you are what I like to call veg curious, then, and you're a Southerner, then this, you have to have this book. It's just, it's amazing. So I highly recommend it. And talking to Tim was so much fun. He is hilarious and just an artist at heart. He's so, so um, inspiring to listen to. One of my favorite characteristics about him 
that I noticed on this call is just how he um, he describes in incredible detail exactly what he wants in his life, and he he does it in in a very sensory way. You know, he can describe what he wants his life to look like and taste like and smell like and it just it has this he paints such a beautiful picture you know he wants to be surrounded by fruit trees on a farm with animals and um just he he seems like he knows exactly what he wants and has spent time envisioning that life and describing it in great detail is pretty easy for him and i just think that's so cool because really when you when you think about it that's the hardest part of it achieving, you know, a happy, beautiful life is really just defining what you want. And then from there, we should be able to pretty easily just start to map out the steps to get there. Um, but, but defining exactly what we want takes real deep work. And I just loved talking to him today and, and seeing someone, um, be really talented at that was just really cool. Um, but actually we, I, I said today, but I talked to him obviously 10 weeks ago, but, um, re-listen to it today and I think you're going to love it. So enjoy this episode and we will talk to you again soon. Right. Absolutely. And are you, and are you now in Mississippi or did I uh, see that you might be in New Orleans? Yeah. So I, um, I'm. Moved. To, I was in Charleston. Then I moved to New York. Then I moved to Jackson, Mississippi, to write my book. And then when I finished writing my book, it took me about a year and a half. Then I moved to New Orleans, and um, I um, I bought a house here. And now I'm. I kind of have. Um, I call it my home base. So I have like my my studio here where I create all my work, and I'm starting to build my my garden and I just planted a whole bunch of fruit trees. So I'm going to be here for, for a while. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. Fruit trees. I I did not know until maybe the last year or two that when you first plant a fruit tree, it takes, is it, is it five or 10 years at least before, before you start bearing fruit? Well, I think it depends on, on the fruit tree. I mean, I, I have a pink lemon tree that produced fruit the first um, year that I had it. The problem is, is the trees are so young. And so like, for example, I have a persimmon tree that I planted in my front yard and it's, it's going to produce a lot of fruit, but it's actually going to weigh the tree down. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to remove the fruit before it grows because the tree can't actually hold it, hold it up. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Persimmons are amazing. I, I, we had those in Kentucky and um, I just remember they're, they have a beautiful flavor, but it's not something you see in the grocery store often. Yeah, I'm trying to think which one it was. Um, yeah, it's Tananashi. It's kind of like a diamond shaped, like it has a pointy end. And um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the reason I, I planted that in the front yard was because there's a persimmon tree in my neighborhood, kind of like across the street, and it does really well here. So I think that's always a good tip for someone. If you're, if you're trying to plant a fruit tree, you should... Look, you look around and see what other fruit trees are doing really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to nerd out on gardening more in this episode, uh, but I just want to say thanks for, for joining us today. I'm a huge, huge fan, and Aww. I ordered your book 
Mississippi Vegan Recipes and Stories from a Southern Boy's Heart. I'm looking at it now. I ordered it ordered it uh, the day that it uh, was available on Amazon, I think, this past October. Is that right? Yeah, it, um, it came out October 23rd. Right. So congratulations. It is absolutely gorgeous. And um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm from Kentucky, but live in Charleston, South Carolina, where you used to live. And um, as, as a Southerner and as a, uh, as a vegan, I am, there's, there's no way I wouldn't reach for this book first. If I had a friend who, or a family member who, um, you know, also lives in the South or really lives anywhere. Cause I, I feel like Southern recipes are dear to everyone's heart, even if you're not from the South. Um, and, and anyway, so I just think this would be an incredible gift for someone that's, I like to call veg curious mm, because it's, yeah. uh, it's, you talk about in the beginning of the book, how, you know, it, it, it's really achieving a nostalgic and um, mouthwatering recipe is uh, is not always about the exact um, whether whether you're using animal products, for example, um, but but more about the texture and the uh, the plant based seasonings that you use, which I think is a really cool a really yeah. cool point. It's about recreating an experience, so I think that's what you know people get people get caught up on, Oh, well, like, why are you using this? Or you're, you're not using this. So it can't be that. And at the end of the day, if, if you can recreate the experience, which successful vegan food does it, that's, that's what matters. You know, we're, we're really trying to just recreate what we felt when we were a child eating mashed potatoes and gravy or cream corn, you know, it was, it was an experience. So um, it's really just replicating a memory. Absolutely. And veganism, I can, you know, it can feel so, I think to someone that's new to the idea, it can feel like a restrictive, it can feel very restrictive uh, and, and like you're going to be missing out on things. And, and uh, I, this is also why I, I love gardening and want to talk to you about you know, all the, uh, your, your gardening projects and, um, these incredible plant-based ingredients that you're using. From my perspective, uh, um, going plant-based really opened up a whole new world of ingredients. I think it's something like there are 20, there's like 20,000 edible plants that exist on planet earth. And we tend to only use or buy about like 10 or 20 of them at the store. So it's like, you know, we were just talking about persimmons. Like that's just, that's something amazing you can grow, but is not something you can get at the store. Well, yeah. And that's the thing they're just, you can find them, but they don't travel that well. And, and that's the other thing I've noticed with, with growing um, unique stuff is, you have to think like we're eating produce that's been curated by, you know, grocery stores and, 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 and different stores that are trying to pick the best uh, produce that travels well. And this greatly affects like what we're eating. So we're eating unripe tomatoes and we're eating pre-harvested fruits that travel better. So it's no wonder when you eat like a ripe persimmon that is, it's so delicate and it doesn't travel well. When you get to eat one that's homegrown in someone's yard, it's like, oh my God, like this is so 
good or even like a fresh fig. Like these are things that really don't travel that well. So that's, that's one other thing that has really inspired me to, to pick things that, um, that, you know, are really ideal. Like when you harvest them from the tree and you want to eat them pretty quickly. And, and that's something that's so special about growing your own food. Sure. And I'm sure you go to the farmer's market all the time. Is there, is there a great one in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Or there's many of them, I'm sure. Well, you know, I'm really proud of New Orleans because it's gotten a lot better. And now there there's multiple farmer's markets that happen. And they may not be the biggest, most epic farmer's market with a ton of vendors, but there are there's a good amount. There's enough. And it, it almost it almost is nice because it's not so overwhelming, you know, <laughs> you go and like one stand will have cauliflower and one stand will have collard greens. But I remember when I lived in New York, you go to the farmer's market and it was just like overwhelming because there were like six vendors had all different kinds of cauliflower. And, um, and so it, it kind of forces you to appreciate, you know, the, the little amount of produce that is offered. Um, and I've been pleasantly surprised. There's um, there's some there's some good uh, farmers, and not necessarily in New Orleans, but in the surrounding areas. Very cool. Yeah, Char- Charleston's great as well. We the it's fun. The season just opened, so I'm really excited to go to my first market uh, maybe this weekend. Oh yeah, I have a lot of fond memories from the Charleston uh, farmers market. Uh, I remember I would get. I was in my twenties and I bought a bag of really young tender okra and I was just eating it like popcorn. <laughs> I was eating it like popcorn because when it's really young and tender, you can just eat it raw and it's delicious. I remember someone was looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a cool place to start though. Don't you think if someone is a little intimidated by a plant-based uh, way of, of living, you know, and, and maybe growing their own food is, it may, might feel like a little bit of a stretch at the moment. Um, would you encourage someone to start going to farmer's markets and kind of uh, just checking out what's in your local area? Yeah. I, I mean, I suggest that to everyone. That is honestly the the best thing that everyone can do for their health, for the environment, mm-hmm. and even for animals. Because even if you're buying animal products at a farmer's market, you're not buying factory farm animal products. So it's just a step in the better direction for everyone. You're supporting local farmers, you're eating fresher local produce, and you're if you're buying anything outside of that, whether it be bread or eggs or milk, it's coming from a small scale um, place. It's not, you know, buying just like the worst factory farm animal product ever. So, and that's why I always try to tell people because I know it can sound overwhelming to just completely switch to veganism. So I definitely think, you know, think of it as a direction and it doesn't have to be something that happens overnight, but, and part of the direction to move towards veganism, you have to just ask questions and, and, and ask yourself where food comes from and you just have to care more. So you just, so I think going to the farmer's market is, is caring, you know, (laughs) Absolutely. That's great advice. I, I, I kind of around that topic, I was also curious about your thoughts on, you know, in, in general, your book is, um, it's focused on, on celebrating Southern recipes and Southern cooking. And we've gotten, it, it feels like we've come to a, a, a clear stereotype 
in the re- in recent decades that Southern cooking is um, mostly focused around use of animal products and you know just, just like talk talking talking about um, farmers markets and and the beauty of Southern produce it just I'm curious like if you've learned uh, more about you know Southern an- ancestry and the qu- like question I have is is was use of animal products in Southern cooking like more of a a recent thing? Uh, you know, from 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 what I've learned uh, recently, so I've heard about Victory Gardens, for example. Um, Dr. Zach Bush talks about these quite a bit. That the United States of Department the, the Department of Agriculture in the U.S. Um, created this program after w- World War II. Uh, to encourage families to grow their own produce. And um, after World War II, um, almost one third of produce eaten that was uh, consumed by Americans um, came from gardens. And it just... It, it's what that went wrong? my mind. What yeah, went wrong? I wonder if like, cause, and I know meat consumption in general in the U S has gone up um, significantly. I believe that started in uh, around the era of convenience and, you know, um, processed food and packaged foods in the fifties and sixties. Um, but anyway, do you have any, any thoughts on sort of um, the, the trek of, animal, the use of animal products in Southern cooking and how that has evolved over time? I mean, I think if, so first off, it's all based on your perception. So as I went vegan when I was 20 and so my perception of food completely changed. And, you know, when I think of Southern food, I think of rice and okra and peanut and peanuts and watermelon and lady peas and squash and zucchini and merlitons and black eyed peas. And, you know, that's, that's what I think of. And that I, you, if I would have said that before I was vegan, that's just kind of what, you know, I think the, the, the typical answer would be like fried chicken or, you know, I don't know, putting ham and everything, but that's not what I think of when I think of Southern food. So that's one, two, I think, that people are also focusing too much on what animal products are in recipes. So for example, gumbo, the word gumbo means okra and gumbo is made up primarily of plants. And then there are some animal products in it, like say sausage or chicken. So then people are saying, oh, well, you can't have vegan gumbo because there's that in it. But that's such a small percentage. So people are just focusing on the the wronger percentage of a, of a recipe. And I think it's antiquated. And I think it, um, it honestly makes people look silly because they're, they're completely negating a large percentage of a recipe that is made up of plants. And a lot of these recipes are dependent on these plants and all these herbs and seasonings that are plant-based that really make the recipe. And, um, you know, I, I think it's um, it's silly when people when people are like their minds are blown when I'm saying I'm making vegan Southern food. Um, so that's part two, and then part three. I definitely agree with you. I think convenience has been such a priority in our food choices, and 
you know, it's so funny because you're talking about how people had gardens and how we were going in this beautiful direction. And then all of a sudden, all this prepackaged food was being sold. And it not only made bad food choices easier, but they were cheaper. And it also has created all this waste. So now we have this huge waste problem because everyone's buying so much packaged food. So the, the biggest issue with this, though, is that people are detached from where the food comes from. So I think everyone was so excited that, oh, well, now there's this pre-made uh, food that we can buy. But no one was asking, well, where is it coming from and how is it getting to us? And, and, and that's the biggest issue because I truly believe most people wouldn't want anything to do with it if they really had to be involved with the process, especially from like factory farming. They just, they wouldn't, they don't want to see it. They don't want to be a part of it. And, um, and that's, that's the biggest issue with all of those products is that it, it hides everything that's awful about it. That makes so much sense. Uh, and I think your book is going to go a long way towards helping to change and evol- evolve these perceptions that we have around, uh, Southern cuisine and, um, I'm ultimately very, I'm very encouraged that I, uh, my hope is that ultimately this Southern cooking will be, will have a new era and that will look more like focusing on um, what I believe is our roots, which is focused on, you know, uh, these incredible heirloom vegetables uh, and reconnecting to nature, fermentation, you know, all these things that are super healthy, but we don't even have to think of it as doing it for, you know, f- for that reason, because it, it's really just fun and it's colorful and it's vibrant and it's energetic. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's our birthright to grow food. And it, I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a, it's a part of my, my DNA to, to grow things. And I, I tap into that and that's why you know, that's why I moved away from New York. I, I initially moved from New York to, to Mississippi because I wanted to live somewhere cheaper and have more land so that I could grow food. I just so happened to get a cookbook deal right before I moved. And um, and that's precisely why I moved to New Orleans because I had the opportunity to invest in some property where it's not a huge amount of property, but it's enough for me to have a, a, a large garden. And, um, and I, I think that's what I would like to... I kind of want to make people when they think of the South, I want, I wanted, I like to revert back to that idea of like, Oh yeah, the South is where people have gardens and where they grow, mm-hmm. they grow a ton of produce and, and Mima, you know, is snapping green beans on the porch and, you know, you're picking cherry tomatoes that are warm from the sun. Like, and we're going blueberry picking and you can walk around barefoot and pick a watermelon. Like that's, that's, that's my idea of the South. And, um, and that's what I want to, that's kind of what the picture I want to paint for people. Well, I'm on board. <laughs> that's so beautiful. I love it. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Kentucky and um, I actually, our, our, the farm I grew up on was a working um, dairy farm, um, but we did not have, we did, we did not have um, vegetables uh, other than tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh is that a vegetable <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I guess it is, guess yeah, it is. <laughs> so uh, so but I was uh, like you had a beautiful childhood where I was able to be outside and around animals and um I love this 
quote from, I believe this was from your book or maybe it was from your Instagram, but um, you said, my fascination with gathering small objects from nature and arranging them beautifully is still an integral part of my life today. My hands have always been busy, my eyes always curiously wandering, and my heart always craving to share. And that is from your book, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just, that resonates with me. And I can just have a flashback to um, my younger self and um, just enjoying being outdoors for hours at a time. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm curious how, how your experience growing up and spending a ton of time in nature, um, you know, has shaped your love for food and your love for um, foraging too. I'm excited to hear about that. Well, I think, I think it's always been this burning desire of mine. And I think when I was a child, it was, it was, it was a little bit more accessible because I was always outside. And so I was, I was always gravitating towards wildflowers and we would go strawberry picking and blackberry picking and blueberry picking. And I always had this really strong desire to, to access fruit trees. So I feel like I've spent my whole life, like trying to get to the point where I'm just surrounded by, by fruit trees. (laughs) And, um, and, and so that's why, you know, I'm really excited about where I'm at now because I just planted a dozen, but, um, but when I was younger, I, I just remember, I just, I remember also there was crawfish piles in my backyard and I would pick up the, have you ever seen a crawfish pile? I don't think so. It's so it's a crawfish and they, they dig up mud and they create this little pile of like round pellets of mud. And it's like, kind of like their house, but they, they basically separate this, this really smooth, you know, pellet of mud. So what I would do is I would pick up the crawfish piles and mix them with water. And then I would pour them on the, my back porch in the scorching sun. And they actually would set and they would make like a cookie shape. <laughs> and so it's so funny. And I remember I was probably like, I don't know, like five or six. And I remember my mom <laughs> like picked one up and was like, Oh my God, you made like a mud cookie. <laughs> but I, it's just funny thinking about that. I haven't, I have that just popped into my head when you, when you were reading that quote, but um, yeah, it's so funny. I just, I've always been drawn towards just using my hands and just, um, and being creative, but it's funny because that makes so much sense that I'm a recipe developer and a food photographer um, because now I'm just, I'm curating even more what I am collecting and I'm really focusing on edible plants. And instead of me arranging them, you know, in a, in a, in edible mug cookie, I'm arranging it into something that's delicious and edible and that also people can make. And so, um, you know, it's, that's what I love about recipes is that, you know, I can have all this fun and be creative and then other people can actually make it and bring it to life. And I, I think that's really, really special. That's amazing. You've come a long way since your mud cookies. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, as a I so I've never been foraging before and uh so as as a complete novice, um what how, how would you recommend one getting started with this world? 
Well, so first off, I just kind of want to explain, like, basically foraging is a term that was created to basically, you know, organize the concept for us, this idea. But in actuality, we, you know, humans have been foraging ever since we've been on this earth. So it's it's really a- another birthright of ours to to find food so that we can eat it and survive. And that's that's what I try to like explain to people. Like I know foraging has become kind of trendy and, you know, th- it's this idea of like, I don't know. It, it, it just seems more of like this like trendy idea when it's like, no, like this is like, you know, cavemen were foraging. Like they, they, we just created this word to kind of represent it. So that's one. And then two, I... I think when you start out foraging, what you should do is you should not think about consuming anything and you should just learn about identifying things. And so when I lived in New York, I met up with a a forager and um, she's written a few books about foraging and I did a walk with her and she was just pointing out different things and that were edible, um, different invasive species of plants. And we found mushrooms and we were more just having a conversation about about it. And it's funny what happens when you learn one thing, you learn how to ID it. And then you all of a sudden it's like burned in your brain. And so now any anytime I'm outside, I see wild violets, I can point it out. Or if I see elderberries, I can point it out. Or if I see a reishi mushroom, I can point it out. And I'm not even necessarily like harvesting and trying to consume these things. It's just like having a conversation with the plants and mushrooms. And so that's my advice is do your research, you know, watch YouTube videos, uh, read different books and start identifying things and don't even worry about harvesting them. And then when you, when you get really confident on identifying something and you can say, oh, here's three identification, you know, factors about this one plant, then you kind of prove to yourself like, hey, I actually do know what I'm talking about. And then you can start, um, start to consume them and use them in recipes and that's what I did. I didn't go out looking for mushrooms and, and taking bites out of them. And I wasn't eating random berries that were on a, on a bush. Like that's, that's not what happens. It's, it's kind of a, a slow process and it's, it's a, it's an ongoing conversation that you're having with nature. Very cool. Yeah. I, that's my biggest fear is that <laughs> that would be the the worst way to go is, oh, she was, she went foraging for the first time and ate a poisonous mushroom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like, I think people go straight to mushrooms and I would mm-hmm. say there are so many um, easy identifiable plants that grow in everyone's front yard, like violets and chickweed and wood sorrel so maybe focus on those, focus on the, the most common wild edibles that grow everywhere. And, and those are things that grow all across, um, you know, the world. And in America, I've seen violets and chickweed and wood sorrel in every front yard, in every state I've been to. And, um, and, and like I said, once you, once you can identify and talk about it and have that conversation about what it is and what it's supposed to taste like and, you know, how many leaves it has and a certain characteristic about the stalk and the root system, then you, then you have this confidence and that's the confidence that you need. You can grow from that confidence and then you can actually, you know, become a forager. 
Right. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to back up for a bit and just learn a little bit more about your path to uh, to veganism. Um, well, actually, my first question is: Do you? Well, your na- your book is Mississippi Vegan, so I'm assuming you um, use the word vegan more than plant based. Is is that right? And what if so? What what are your thoughts on those terms? Yeah, I, I always I always encourage people who um, are thinking about um, going vegan to just use the term plant based, and then that way, mm-hmm. and that way they don't have to have, you know, the vegan police looking after them. And like, <laughs> they don't have to, they don't have to, um, it doesn't have to feel so um, restrictive to them. When I use the word vegan, um, I think about um, a shift in uh, your brain where you no longer view animal products as fit for human consumption and for use. And, Every decision you make is an opportunity to reflect how you feel in your heart about not hurting animals and living in harmony with the earth. So um, my point is, is that veganism isn't perfection, but every, every decision that I make, I'm going to try my best for that decision to reflect how I feel about hurting animals. So if that decision can avoid hurting animals, then I'm going to do my damnedest to make the best decision. So um, that, that's what veganism means to me. It's really, um, it's really a movement that is, um, ending cruelty and exploitation to animals. And, um, I think what happens is, is people, people go straight to food because when they hear the word vegan, they think about vegan food. Uh, but veganism is, is, is much more than food. It's, 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 it's a much, um, it's a, it's a concept. It's a larger concept. And so that's why I think plant-based was kind of coined because it kind of just refers to what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it gives people wiggle room. You know, they, I, I meet people all the time. They're like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm vegan mostly. It's like, well, there's a word for that. It's called plant-based. And when you have that shift in your perception and you start avoiding animal products and all, all aspects of your life, then I would say that's when you, when you, can graduate to the term vegan. And I know some people may think that that is, um, they don't like that. You know, they think that maybe it alienates vegans from people, but you know, I, it's a word that means a lot to me. And so it it represents, you know, um, a lot. So I, I do think that I think people overuse the word and I think people use the word incorrectly. Right. No, it's perfect. I totally agree. It's like Southern cooking, Southern cuisine. Like you mentioned earlier, it's, there's um, all our language comes with, um, you know, learned perceptions and, mm-hmm. and we have some of these supercharged words that um, especially with the advent of, uh, you know, the internet and social media where you're, we're getting a ton of marketing around all of these words. And I, I agree. I personally, um, I don't have any, uh, you know, pings of, uh, anxiety when I hear the word veganism, it's quite the opposite. I, I, th- I think of, um, of, you know, a, a kind lifestyle, a compassionate lifestyle. And, you know, and like you were saying, a full lifestyle, not simply focused on, on health. Um, yeah, it's every you know, decision, every decision you have a, 
like any, anything that you do is a decision. And so it's like, there's, there's so many things that are attached to that decision. So um, it's, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner obviously are three big decisions, but there's also a whole bunch of other things that we are inevitably supporting when we buy something um, or we do something, whether it be go to the zoo or, you know, anything, there's always something attached to it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I I came into, uh, I came into veganism. I'll use that term uh, for this podcast. Although I I tend to use plant-based just for the reason that you mentioned earlier is that, um, you know, I think the, the audience that I would like to reach are, is the veg curious group. Um, and if there's anything I can do to make it more approachable, then that sounds great to me until everyone's ready to graduate. That is to, uh, to using the term vegan. Um, but I'm sorry, my computer just went down. So I lost my train of thought. What I was going to, what I was going to say on this Mm -hmm. topic is that it's almost like foraging. How I was saying foraging is something that it was, like when I was introduced to the concept of foraging, it made so much sense to me because I'd always been interested in it. So when I heard the term veganism, it almost just, it, it's like, I have always been vegan. I just didn't know that. I didn't know that it, it existed. I, I had never really heard the word vegan until I was like 18 or 19. And so my, my, I, I started to eat healthier foods and research what foods were nutrient dense. And I kept gravitating towards uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and mushrooms. And, and then when I read the definition of veganism, I was like, Oh my God, it just clicked. It was like, Oh, someone's like, this is the way I feel. And someone's created a term for it. And they refer to their lifestyle as, as being vegan. And so it's almost like it, it just connected the dots for me. It's just a term that we use to represent how we feel and and really like living in alignment with your ethics. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So did you start with the, I think I was going was what my, my path was focused more on health at first um, and solving my own selfish, you know, personal yeah. uh, issues with, with um, you know, with my body in particular. And then, then I expanded, I think once I felt better, then all of a sudden I started to, my, I had this just veil of clarity lifted where it, now I have more, you know, empathy and compassion for um, the, you know, the, uh, for animals in general and an understanding about the, um, you know, animal cruelty um, movement and the t- terrible animal agriculture systems that we have in place. And then that opens up to like the environment and uh, in general and, how animal agriculture is contributing to um, to climate change issues, and uh, so that was my path. I'm curious if it sounds like perhaps you might have started more with um, animal cruelty and no, 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 no. I, there? I I was raw vegan um, when I first um, started. I I started eating healthier foods, and then mm-hmm. and then I read about raw veganism, which was basically. The concept that I gravitated towards was eating everything in its raw, untampered with state. Like everything is provided to us in nature, um, which is 
obviously a really radical idea, but it's basically the, the idea of a chimpanzee's diet. You know, they eat young, tender, leafy greens, and the main source of their calories comes from fresh, ripe, local fruit. Um, and a lot of mono meals. So basically, like, if you were a chimpanzee, you would find a fig tree, you would basically feast off of that fig tree for, you know, as long as the figs were ripe, and then you would also eat greens. And then once the fig tree was done, then you would move to the banana tree, and you kind of just would eat with the season. So it was very radical. And it was very, um, it was kind of this, this idea of eating the most pure, cleanest diet. And, um, and it wasn't until I started reading more books about veganism that I realized uh, that there were a lot of ethics involved. And so when I saw a video of factory farming, I had never seen factory farming before, which is a really good point because it shows you that it wasn't until I was 19 that I was able to see footage of cows and chickens and the dairy industry and pigs. I had never seen how they were treated in factory farming. And so that was when I had that aha moment and that shift where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been supporting this. And I, there's no way that I can move forward supporting this. Um, it was, it was very much, a, um, a, a huge shift in my mind. So, but I'm, I'm thankful for raw veganism because it led me to that point. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so I, I was similar to you. It started up for health it, it, and it, and it, I do agree. It is kind of selfish because you're, we're thinking like, I want to feel my absolute best. Like what should I do to feel best? Like what, and it's all about you and your health. And we're not really asking like, well, what about, you know, the other creatures that were harmed and, <laughs> and that were eating and, and, and all of that. So, um, but yeah, it's similar to you. Yeah, totally. And it, any path is is a good path and it, and and it's it's and it certainly doesn't happen overnight i don't think for for anyone that i've spoken to um that's on any kind of health journey and and what i wanted to point out too is that the, you know there's a lot of a lot of uh, high profile raw vegans that and and once again i i just i think that they don't really understand the the what the word vegan means and they don't really get that shift so they're saying, I'm no longer vegan because my health was declining. But these are people that are coming from the quote unquote raw vegan movement, which is really about health. And it's about eating like this clean, pure diet. And it really has nothing to do with animals. So mm-hmm. it's no surprise to me when they're, they're like, well, I started eating fish and eggs and meat again. It's like, well, that's because it never was really about animals. It, it was about health. And that's fine. But like, I just... I just feel like they're using the word vegan incorrectly because I feel like it, they should coin another term for raw vegan and it should be, you know. Raw plant-based or something. <laughs> I guess. But see, that's, I don't know. And this is like, it's, it's, and then I get to the point where I'm like, I don't care what, I don't care what these people are doing. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I just have to focus on me. But the point I'm making is that it's no surprise to me that they're eating animal products again because they were never avoiding these animal products because they had a problem with it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. They just, they, that wasn't their concern. And so it's, um, yeah. So. 
<laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's it's a total package uh, for for me personally. It's a total package that uh, I, I'm f- for now. I'm sticking with, and it feels amazing. And I, I can't think of another example um, where and and this surprised me when you know when my health started to improve, um, and and then I realized that my health is improving while I'm also doing you know, an, an amazing favor for our environment and, um, and for animals, you just realize it's this almost perfectly designed package. And, uh, and, and I, I wonder if that's a coincidence. No, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. It, 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 and that's what I try to explain to people is that veganism is a celebration and it's fun. And it's, it's basically, every decision that you make in regards to veganism is about love and it's about being kind and it's about, and it's about celebrating the abundance that we have. And, um, that's, that's really what I think about it. So. Yeah, I agree. And, and it is tough though, cause it's, you know, with social media and we have a, a, a lot of, there's a lot of very high profile accounts out there and, um, and, and people who uh, are, you know, I, I really can't, I can't judge myself because I, it, it's a, a pro- progressive journey. I mean, for 30 years of, of my life, I was, I was not um, plant-based <laughs> and I was raised on fast food and just like most children of, of the, uh, of the nineties. And, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's, it's been a progression for me, but I just didn't, I didn't have, um, an, an Instagram account with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and, and something to say when, when I was still going through some bumps in the road. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's really, it, it's an interesting time. Um, and we can't have, we can't have enough, you know, compassion for people and where they are in their, in their journey. But I also hope that anyone that's following anyone else on social media realizes that we're all human and that, you know, no one has the perfect answer for you. Only you have the answer for you. So, you know, we're here to give more information and perspectives, but um, hopefully everyone can take the time to, you know, figure, figure out what's right for them. Yeah, totally. And I think that's another thing I wanted to point out about the raw vegan movement is that a lot of these, a lot of people are going are going towards that for health reasons because they have health issues, so they have problems, and mm-hmm. um, and and that's what's interesting about that movement is that people are they're trying to find, and that's what's happened. I feel like in our generation, like we are really concerned about our well being, and we're and we're asking a lot of questions, and we're trying to to feel our best, and so um, you know that is a journey for everyone. And, um, I think it's, um, yeah, it's like, of course I want every, I want everyone to be happy and to feel their best. Like that's, that's definitely something that I want for everyone. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I think your book is, uh, is going to help anyone, uh, you know, anyone that at least wants to give, you know, vegan living or vegan, uh, a vegan diet specifically, or the lifestyle in general, try, uh, that's going to be an amazing first step. 
I'm certainly going to give it as a gift to anyone that's interested. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Um, and I, so I have a, a couple other random, totally random selfish questions that, you know, that's really why I wanted to start a podcast is so that I can talk to, talk to people that I admire and, and pick their brains. Um, but one question that I have for you is about, uh, so I've seen gorgeous pictures of your kitchen. I, uh, so I would assume that the kitchen that's photographed um, alongside your book photographs um, was, was a home. Was that your home in Mississippi? Um, is this, are you talking about the kitchen with the green cabinets? Yes. Yeah, that's that's my home in New Orleans. And so New Orleans, okay. Yeah. So when I moved in, I I removed all the upper cabinets and I painted the lower cabinets and I yeah, kind of just gave it a splash of Mississippi vegan. <laughs> well, it's gorgeous. And I th- I th- I think I um read or heard somewhere um about just as a as a professional chef keeping your uh, keeping your kitchen organized and the importance of it. And as uh, you know, as an amateur vegan chef myself, I, that's something I struggle with. I just posted on Instagram this week about uh, I reposted someone else's beautiful organized fridge and um, mentioned that, you know, this is not my strategy at all. My strategy is to, is to kind of create this tornado in the kitchen. And then when I'm putting things away, I just shove whatever is in my hand into the pantry and the, and the, the refrigerator to whatever closest spot is near my hand. And then my husband about once a month um, goes through and he's the organized one. He will, um, you know, just make everything look nice. And uh, he's an engineer. So he's, um, he's built that way. But it's funny because I'm also a designer. So you would think that um, that would I think it will, it is important to me and I understand the value of, of, um, keeping an organized kitchen and I want to get there, but I want to hear from a, uh, a, uh, a professional chef, like <laughs> the importance of, you know, keeping your kitchen in order and clean and organized. Well, okay. So I was, um, I have an intern who works with me. Um, she's actually my assistant now, but she works with me two days a week and, um, we were talking the other day about just my goal in general. And I just, I need to be, and I love to be surrounded by, by beautiful things. And when I walk into a room that smells good from a candle or has beautiful light and everything, everything is in its place. And there's this, um, it's almost this like harmony like that, that happens when, a room is put together beautifully. It's almost like you're walking into uh, like a beautiful photograph. And so when I walk into a room that is, uh, that has that um, it's, it's almost like when the room is kind of clicked, like everything lines up and makes sense and everything is in its right place. And um, that's when I feel my best and I'm most excited to create. And so the kitchen is the most active place in my home. And of course I get into that, to that point where it is like a tornado. Cause I'm creating like a recipe and I'm styling it and shooting it. But I try my best to always start from a really clean, calm place. And 
the other thing about like what I do in blogging is I'm trying to like document the whole process. So even like the other day I chopped a shallot in a way that was really beautiful and I had to move the cutting board over to my window and I photographed it. And it's like each little step of a recipe is an opportunity to document this beautiful moment. So what I've learned is keeping everything just organized and beautiful is just as much a part of the process as creating the recipe and documenting it and putting it out there. So that's, that's, that's what's happening at this point is that just keeping the space beautiful, organized is, is just as much a part of the process as creating it and shooting it. That's amazing. I feel the same way. I uh, just cleaned our house before this episode and um, before we, our conversation here. And I, I totally agree lighting a candle and, you know, wiping down the counters. But for some reason, I'm not applying that to the drawer or the refrigerator, the things that are closed that I can't see until I open it. And that that's like this next level that I want to graduate to. Well, and that's what I've that's what I'm, I'm against storage. Um, that's, so I was going to explain to you like about my backyard. When I moved into this house, there was a huge shed and a garage. And I remember people were like, Oh, that's so great. There's all this storage. And in my mind, I was thinking that's the last thing that I want. I don't want to hide stuff that I don't need or that I don't use. And I was also upset because it was covering this great ground where I could plant fruit trees. So, and that's what happened in the kitchen too. I, I, there was all these upper cabinets and everyone was like, oh, you have all the storage. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to hide my stuff. I want to have stuff that I like to see and I want to arrange it beautifully. So I removed the upper cabinets and now everything has a place and it looks beautiful. And I have coffee mugs for my grandmother and plates that my mom and dad bought when they first got married. And I have a little vase that my friend made and I have vintage silverware and jars. And it's, it's just as much a part of the process as, you know, creating the recipe and, um, and shooting it. It's like, it's like a whole package. That's so cool. Okay. Well, I have a, I have a new, uh, newfound inspiration. Thank you. Good. <laughs> and also just on the topic, uh, we kind of related to, you know, our healthy eating conversation. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on eating out versus eating at home. Um, that is especially living here in Charleston, as you, as you know, uh, you, you know, having lived here for many years, the restaurant scene is, is, uh, is you know world renowned and and uh it's just something that uh you know I've, I've only been um you know more health conscious the last couple of years but before that uh I you know was just absolutely loved going out to eat and you know going out on the town and or ha- having a uh yeah co- cocktails and, oh my god sounds great <laughs> i know and uh, so, so i wrote an article on my website recently about you know the, uh uh vegan friendly restaurants in charleston and there's def- it's definitely growing and it's very exciting um you know that the choices that are are now available here um but we, you know we certainly don't live in new york or um even new orleans i'm sure has uh, incredible options. Um, but so my question to you is, 
as uh, what, how do you feel recently about eating out versus eating it at home? Do you prefer one over the other? And what does that balance look like for your personal life? Um, okay. So, f- <laughs> well, first I would say that New Orleans is probably in the same position as Charleston. There are some great options and, you know, there's a small handful of like fully vegan restaurants, but I would say that, and it's definitely gotten a lot better and I'm excited uh, for the direction that it's going in with the, that it's going towards with veganism, but it's still not like, I don't think it's a destination place to go for someone who like wants to eat amazing vegan food. It's just not there yet, in my opinion. Um, but that being said, I think it's really important to support vegan businesses and I make it a point to always go to the different vegan pop-ups that are having. There's actually like three different vegan food trucks that exist here. So I try to go to them. I try to go to um, different vegan businesses. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, there are there are a few more like fully vegan places in Charleston. So maybe we are a little step ahead. Um, but <laughs> but to answer your question, I... I think it's I think it's important to support um, different vegan companies, and I also think it's important to support vegan options at restaurants because that is the kind of change that we need to invite and we need to support. Because you know, restaurants aren't going to go vegan overnight, but they'll start to offer a vegan option, and if that does well, they'll offer more vegan options. And um, so, I'm happy to support um, restaurants that have vegan options. But what I will say is. Now that I've been cooking um, for so long and I know what I love, I definitely am more satisfied when I cook something at home. And I've recently gotten to sourdough, I'm making my own sourdough bread. So I make, mm-hmm. I make like focaccia pizza crust and, and I have been so like satisfied with that. And, um, and just like, you know, roasting vegetables the way that I love. And I love like drinking really good wine at, at home. So I've definitely become more of a homebody. I think when I lived in New York, um, I like to go go out to eat all the time. But now I definitely eat at home more. But being a blogger and a recipe developer, sometimes I just don't want to be in the kitchen and I don't want to cook. And I don't even want to roast a vegetable. So it's gotten to the point now where I go out to eat when I'm just like, I'm just like exhausted from cooking in the kitchen and like thinking about food. I mean, I'll like, I'll make a piece of avocado toast and I'll slice the avocado in a way and it looks pretty. And I'm like, maybe I should photograph that. Maybe I should should document what I did. And I'm like, enough. Like, I just want to go somewhere, sit down. And I actually, I actually got to eat by myself most mainly. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I don't want to have to worry about someone else's schedule or meeting them. I'm like, no, I'm just going to go. And, um, but I love finding places in New Orleans that have really veg heavy, um, food. So like I go to this one place and they have fried Brussels sprout spring rolls and it's loaded with like fresh herbs and a peanut dipping sauce. And then I love this place that has a vegetable ramen and it's just like overflowing with vegetables and noodles and a really good broth. And, um, yeah, so I, I love to, I love to go to places that, um, I can kind of pop in for lunch and eat. And then in regards to dinner, there are definitely, I'm working on a blog post for where to go out to eat in New Orleans. And there are definitely some like nice restaurants that are not, they're not vegan, but they have great vegan options. Um, and so I'll probably go to those like maybe once a month. Very cool. But I'm, I'm going to have to invite myself uh, to 
no pressure since we're recording but to come <laughs> visit you. <laughs> yeah, you should you should come. I mean, I think New Orleans is more of a destination just to come experience and like and kind of just feel the vibe here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that it's such a celebratory place and I love that so much amazing food has originated from here. And so I definitely like, I, I think it's worth visiting for that reason. And I definitely tap into that creative energy here. And so, you know, I, I'm really happy with the content that I'm creating here. And I, I think a part of that is, is due to the fact that there is this, there's so much history here, you know, so much has happened here and so much great food has come from here. So um, it's definitely, there's a lot of inspiration here. Oh, that's great. I'm glad. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Your house looks amazing. And uh, your congrats on your book again. So you so you've got your, your book came out in October and, um, what, what other, do you have any other projects on in the works at the moment or are you well, kind of I, still in bookland? Well, yeah, I'm still kind of like, I still like, I need to do a few more pushes, um, for my book and just kind of you know, it came out in the fall and now it's spring, but there's a lot of summer recipes that I really kind of want to talk about that come from the book. So I'm, I'm probably going to make like a few of those recipes and, and post them on Instagram and be like, if you want to make this recipe, you should buy the book. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but aside from that, my I, I'm thinking about writing a second cookbook, but I want it to be um, all about um, heirloom varieties of vegetables that I'm growing in my garden. And so I really, right now, my goal is just to get my garden set up and to really, um, like right now I, I, so that shed in the garage that I had and a whole bunch of concrete, I had all of it torn down and ripped up. So now I have a pretty large backyard. So my goal this summer is to just get it all set up and get it and really get it to the point where I'm growing, you know, most of the food that I'm eating and then, and, and also documenting and talking about. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> that's so cool. I can, I can, I see some YouTube videos in your future. I bet that's, that would be just a gorgeous backdrop. And uh, I, I know myself and others that are listening, um, are, are new to gardening and, but very excited about it. And, um, just would love to watch that, that story unfold. Yeah. I mean, I try to tell people gardening is for everyone. Like we all it's, it's once again, it's like our birthright to grow our own food and to garden and, and, um, and have like a, a, a connection to plants that way. I think it's a really magical experience to, to plant something and to watch it grow and to see what it does and to see how it flowers and how it seeds and, and what, what it can offer you. And so it's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely makes me really happy. And, uh, and growing flowers too, is just like, I, I, I just, I want to be surrounded by flowers. It's just the way it is. So I'm, I'm constantly planting flowers and, and finding flowers and, <laughs> and, and surrounding myself with them. That's amazing. I, I think I read too that you're, uh, you, you, well, here it says, I eventually want to own a small farm that grows the coolest produce, flowers, and also house some uh, rescue farm animals. Yeah, I would, I'm definitely going to need more space to do the, the farm animals, but <laughs> right. I would love to like have some land where I walk out and there's just, you know, 
chickens running around and like a cow and and they're just there to hang out and I just like squeeze them and we just like have fun you know that's (laughs) and I I love cats too that are like running around and some old dogs and just you know I just I think of like these scraggly animals that were rescued from some horrible condition and then it's like they get to retire it's like okay now you just get to hang out I'll feed you and we'll just like frolic and eat cherry tomatoes together (laughs) <laughs> love it who can who can be uh who can have a bad day if you're just frolicking <laughs> and eating cherry tomatoes yeah. oh tim you're you're you are amazing i know everybody is just like i know i'm my head is spinning with inspiration and uh i think it's so beautiful that you have these dreams and visions for what you uh, want to create in the future and uh and, and it's so it it's so um sensory oriented you know which is it's beautiful to describe and i think it's uh it's an exercise that i want to do more often i think is just so fun to think about you know think about it's hard to think about what you want you know is uh that's really the hardest part of achieving Uh your dreams is Mm -hmm. defining them yeah and it definitely yeah you have to like tap into this special place in your heart when you're trying to figure out like okay what do i like what do I want to surround myself with and what's sustainable? And like, also like, how can I make that like my living and my job? And so, you know, it definitely didn't come to me until I was like 27 or 28. You know, I kind of, it it took me a minute to figure out, but I think, I think everyone can get there. Uh, They just have to, yeah, they just have to really think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I, yes, I agree. Lots of, uh, and that, that's something you've definitely done. And thank you for sharing the fruits of your of your uh, labor and your dreams. This the book is incredible, and I'm so excited about your your um, your backyard or your mini farm, I should call it. It's going to be amazing. You're so sweet. Yeah, I can't wait to to. Sh- I mean, I want to bring everyone along on the process. So it's um, you know, it's going to take me a minute to get it to where I want, but that's, you know, that's part of it. And it's, it's like, you know, my dad always taught me it's better to garden a little bit every day instead of trying to do everything. And like one day it's not going to happen. So I always try to garden, you know, an hour or two a day, just, you know, organize things, arrange them, think about where things should go. And, and it's, it's really nice. It's really therapeutic. Oh, well, thank your dad for me. Cause I, I it's been uh, a month or two and I've been meaning to, you know, get my summer plants in and I've still got, you know, just like caterpillar uh, ravaged cabbage from this winter sitting in oh. these beds. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm going to wait until there's, you know, I, well, in my mind, I'm just waiting for this time where I have this perfect Saturday with nothing to do. Um, as opposed to just, you know, I should go right out there after this, after our conversation and just spend five minutes and yeah, and it's, enjoy so much, outdoors. it's so much easier if you just, if you just, yeah, just work a little bit each day. And then I can't tell you, I mean, cause it could be overwhelming and like, you'll shut down and like, okay, I'm just not going to do anything. And I think people are also worried about this time constraint, like, oh, well we have to get tomatoes in the ground right now, or it's going to be mm-hmm. too late. And I, I always say, don't worry about that. Just do do whatever you want. You can plant a tomato later in the season. It doesn't matter. It may not do as well and it may not create as much fruit. But I think it's important to just 
do something, anything, and then have that conversation with the process and the plant and you inevitably are going to learn from it. Conversations with plants. I love it. Yeah. Yes, it's, not, it's experience. It's like every year, you know, and, and you, it's, you can read as many books as, as you want. And, but at the end of the day, it's probably, uh, you know, just as simple as it was a hundred years ago is we, we just got to put a seed in the ground and water it and see what I happens and then do it again the next year. <laughs> it literally, I have, I bought a pack of basil seeds I bought a pot and some soil. I literally put the soil in the pot, threw some seeds on. I maybe rummaged them around a little bit so that they were slightly covered with soil and I water and I watered it. And then that plant grew. I had basil and then it seeded and then I kept the seeds and then I planted the seeds again. It's really that simple. I think people make it so complicated, but just the other day I found a pecan that had fallen in my yard from somewhere in the neighborhood and it sprouted and it was growing a pecan tree. And so it just goes to show you like these seeds, they have such a life force, like they really do want to grow. So it's, it's our job to just like realize that and then maybe help them to have a really comfortable, cozy environment so that they do well. Incredible advice. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so inspired. I'm going to shut down my computer and go out right now. Me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for your time. I think this is an amazing place to to wrap up. What do you think? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you to continue your journey with your garden and and, and Charleston right now is so beautiful. So I, I think springtime in Charleston was just one of my favorite times there. There was so much uh, jasmine growing. And, and so I'm really happy for you to be to be living there right now. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it is such a beautiful place. And um, Oh, and go I get the to... green curry from, uh, from basil. Oh, of course. Yes. I, I think I've had that two nights ago. <laughs> oh my God, that green curry from basil is one of my favorite dishes at any restaurant I've ever been to. It is. It's so good. So good. <laughs> so good. And I know you're probably a huge Gnome Cafe fan as well. Oh yeah. I'm friends with Sarah Mel and she's actually from Jackson. So, um, Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I, I actually hung out with her and her family when I was living there, but yeah, definitely love me some Gnome. I, I mean, any excuse to eat vegan breakfast food, I'm there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, so just before we jump off, I want to make sure we all know where we can find you. Of course, your your book is Amazon the best place to to order Mississippi Vegan. Yeah, I mean, I think Amazon is it's just like the way it is these days. It's the, it's the easiest place to get it, but um, it it should be available where all books are sold. So if you have a a local bookstore. You know, I think it's great to support them. But if you want it to arrive at your house, like in two days, then yeah, Amazon's the place to get it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, that's where I got it. I probably am a little too addicted to Amazon, but. No, I mean, there's a reason why it's like, it is what it is. They make it, you know, but, um, but yeah, and across the board, I'm, I'm Mississippi vegan on Instagram and I'm really active on my stories and, um, my website's mississippivegan.com and um, I'm actually about to put two recipes out um, this week's for Easter. So get ready for that. 
Oh, great. Well, we'll <laughs> we will be following you and hope you have a lovely spring in New Orleans. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. Bye. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. That was amazing. Tim is hilarious and talented and definitely pick up his book. You are not going to be disappointed. It is absolutely one of my favorite books. Um, and yeah, check it out. And thanks for, thanks for hanging around. And I also just wanted to mention before we sign off that I am going to start offering what I'd like to call garden to table lifestyle design services. So that just means that I would love to help you start your own garden at home and begin cooking out of that garden for your family. So uh, I'm going to offer this as a remote service and um, it would last six weeks. So we'll have one call per week on a, a video chat and uh, no matter where you are in the world, I can research the zone in your area and, you know, do some of that prep work beforehand. Um, and all of the, all of this information and will be customized to your family. So uh, I can help you plan out your veganic garden to have a, a healthy, thriving garden Um and we'll figure out what would be, you know, what kind of garden would be most practical for you and uh, your the resources that you have. And then we will also plan out recipes that are inspired by your current family favorites. So what do your kids and your husband and ever, what did they love to eat now? And then let's transform those recipes into uh, healthy plant-based options and also um, integrate those recipes with your garden so um, that you so you the idea is that you can ultimately start cooking from um, your backyard and what you're growing and uh, that is my vision for just an amazing beautiful lifestyle for everyone so if you think that's pretty cool then uh, I'd love to work with you. And I this is new to me this this service, so if anybody's interested, I will offer the first families family or families um a discounted rate for my time. And um yeah, looking forward to it. Um you can you can direct message me on Instagram if you're interested and I will uh, we can talk about pricing and, you know, get hooked up. So I hope you're going to have a great 4th of July, but by the time you listen to this, it will not be 4th of July. So anyway, um, I hope you have a great Labor Day. That'll be the next holiday, I guess. Anyway, signing off. Peace and plants. Peace.